This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series. Joining you, of course, uh, midweek this week between Arsenal's game against Fulham at the weekend and the victory over Crystal Palace on Monday night. I'm very happy to be joined this Wednesday afternoon slash evening by Mr. Charles Watts. How are you doing, mate? You good, you well? I'm very good, Tom. How are you getting on, mate? Very good. You, you were smiling there. What have you said? You spotted something. <laughs> uh, no, I was, just, I was in the middle of typing, in the middle of putting out a tweet saying, join us now, we're live. And I was just laughing at myself, trying to do it slyly, but probably failing miserably. Just <laughs> all the facial expressions <laughs> coming through. Yeah, lovely stuff. Uh, no, it's good to have you on the show, mate. It's good to chat because uh, I'm missing you in the uh, the press lounge this season. It's slightly emptier without you. Um, right. How are you finding being away from things? Yeah, all right. I mean, honestly, it's been so crazy with the book stuff um I went away on holiday got back so I missed the first game I was actually in the mm. airport for the first game flying back and then since I've landed it's just been you know all sort of building up to the book launch next Thursday and stuff so it's been just really really crazy and mad and so I think once the book's out and it's hit the streets and that dies down then um then yeah I think the sort of I'll get, um it might start to sink in a little bit more at the moment that I'm not doing all that stuff but we shall we'll wait and see what happens afterwards. But yeah, definitely missing you, mate. Missing you, missing our chats, missing everyone else, <laughs> missing the food. <laughs> yeah, the food's the food is, I think, the thing you probably end up missing the most. A nice free meal at every game, but uh, it's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's nice, nice thinking yeah. about matches about watching it in the stands, though. Uh, I have to say, and sitting back in my actual seat is going to be it's going to be very nice. Mm, no, I bet. I was going to say, when you're talking about kind of the pre-match stuff, if you had to pick one half-time Emirates snack, which one would it be? Uh, from last season, the, the lamb kofta things. But from yeah, probably before your good. time, they used to, before your time, they used to wheel out the samosas every so often and they were banging. They were so nice. So I said, nick as many of those as I could. But they stopped doing that for some reason. Uh, but yeah, the yeah, lamb... Now it's one per person now. 
So it's like I see Charlie Willard from haters like sneaking in and grabbing like three <laughs> whatever. That, they were hot. They were hot on those lamb kofters last time. They were literally policing yeah. it. Like, one eat, yeah. one only. <laughs> I saw someone take off their hoodie so they went up with a different outfit so they wouldn't get caught. That's that's how like intense that was, people. That was were you, was it? No, of course not. Of course not. Wearing my Arsenal hoodie in the press lounge, getting told off by James Bench. Uh, that's how it works. Um, but uh, we're here to talk about, as you mentioned and alluded to, your your brand new book, uh, Revolution, the Rise of, of Arteta's Arsenal. Uh, I want to direct people to a Bergkamp Wonderland uh, and Chris's conversation with you, because in that uh, talk, uh, Chris asked you a lot about kind of the process behind the book and things about the writing process of it and things like that. So I don't want to go over things that people can listen to elsewhere in and get even more content in that way into their ears from you. So we will um, kind of skip over kind of the processes of it um, and go into more of kind of the, the content wise and, and what the inspiration is like. Why, why Arteta? Because obviously you've, you've covered Arsenal for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, previously, of course, covering Reading, I want to say it was previously. Reading, before yeah, that. Reading. And uh, what was it about Arteta being the reason to spark him being the topic of inspiration here? Well, just the results, really. It was basically, I mean, it's, it is about Mikel and the work he's done, but it's also about Arsenal and the journey from sort of 2019 to where they are now. So obviously this young, vibrant side that has built this incredible atmosphere at the club that has formed a relationship with the fans that had been totally broken just a few years earlier. So, you know, had obviously Arsenal not been on this journey that they are now and been competing for the titles and basically transformed themselves in such a short space of time, the book would have never happened. And so obviously it was about Mikel, but a large part of that was obviously down to results and what what we've all seen and witnessed over the last couple of years and the dramatic sort of change in fortunes and, you know, on the pitch, but off it as well as this club that was basically on its knees not, not too long ago and was, there was no relationship with the fans really it was not a great place to go and watch football every week you were kind of doing it out of loyalty and your connection with Arsenal but you were more than anything else it wasn't like you were going every Saturday and I can't wait to go to the Arsenal to watch this because the atmosphere was so bad there was you know such a split in the fan base and you know people were fighting and now suddenly we're in this just this big connected environment where everyone at the club has come together behind this young team that's been built by this young impressive manager um, and yeah, that is the kind of birth of the book, really. Yeah, he, he's really, in, I feel as though, you know, he's, he's enigmatic in the way that he inspires so many different thought processes. because from a journalist point of view, and you, we've both been in those press conferences where he can come across, you know, so cold at times in some of mm-hmm. his answers. You've dealt with obviously other coaches as well, but what, what have you, what did you feel about Arteta coming in? And how he addressed things in that first press conference so infamously, you know, he set the principles, set the standards. Yeah. And I feel like there's only a couple of examples in his entire three and a half, nearly four year tenure at the club where I feel he's he's deviated ever so slightly away from the way he's made a little bit of an hour. I remember the Willian thing, like he went away, I think, and went to Dubai or something like that, came back and then still played. But then the Abamyang situation obviously was treated kind of differently. But I think besides like these off little errors here and there, he's stuck pretty darn set to what he said when he came in. Do you feel as though that has been the bedrock of his success at Arsenal? Absolutely. And he's not, and the fact that he's never really veered away from it, I think is so integral to the success that he's had and you know I was there at that first press conference at at the Emirates in the media room and um and it it was I remember walking out at that that press conference as a journalist but as a fan as well which obviously 
um you kind of work that and you know as well when you're sitting in these things and you obviously you've got your work he- head on and you're doing it as a journalist but as a fan as well you want to hear stuff that you want to hear as a fan and, and be impressed by something and I remember coming out of that press conference and just thinking that was brilliant that was so good that's exactly what I wanted to hear from my manager and it was so impressive I thought and it was a clear message I talk about this a lot of the book actually this first press conference because it was so it, it's it, and it still is now it's so it resonates so much in terms of what we've seen happen since then and you know Arsenal at that time as I sort of described in the other uh, earlier was on its knees you know just a few days earlier Arsenal played Manchester City and Mikel was sitting in the dugout for City next to Pep Guardiola and City had breezed to a 3-0 win it was 30,000 people in the Emirates there was red seats everywhere there was no atmosphere everyone again as I said had just turned up those who had turned up had turned up just because it was Arsenal and it was like oh I've got to go you know out of loyalty more than anything else but it was and he spoke about how he sat there and he was so sad by what he'd witnessed and how the atmosphere and the environment was at the club. And he knew that if he was going to have any success coming back here, he was going to have to reconnect that fan base and get everyone believing in the team again and, and excited to be part of it again. And he spoke about that in that first press conference. He made a big point about it. He's made a big point ever since. And I thought even at the end of last season, when he was asked, you know, how would you describe the season? One word. And he thought about it for so long. And this is actually in the introduction of the book. And he thought about his response for over 20 seconds in that press conference. It's just after City had won the league and Arsenal had lost at Nottingham Forest. And he just came up with, you know, connection. That's what how I sum it up. And I thought it was a really good answer. And that just that word has been so heavily sort of intertwined in everything that he's done since he's come to the club and it has played such a huge role in taking Arsenal to where they are now. What do you think his relationship with the press has developed like over his time? Because, you know, Arsene Wenger built up in his early time, you know, a really kind of camaraderie style uh, relationship and then things frayed somewhat, I think, towards the end of, of his time at Arsenal. Arteta can be and can give some really good answers I feel like in press conferences and things like that but then even as recently I think as after the Crystal Palace game you probably saw the video that went viral of his response where he was like uh very good game (laughs) that was like it from from his answer how how do you feel like his relationship with the press developed over those three and a half years or so it hasn't really developed. He just kind of, <laughs> that's it. I mean, the amount of times we sat at London Colney at the end of a press conference, looked at each other, and thought, "What? What the hell are we going to get out of that?" It was just, it's just nothing. He just comes across a lot of the time that he just, you know, he doesn't really care. He's just, do, he's doing it because he has to do it. And um, he can, like you said, he can when he really wants to talk about something, and he talks about it. He can, he, he delivers some really great stuff. But you know, his his main thought. It's just about the team. It's about his players. It's about winning. Press is just the press. It's something he has to do twice a week, whatever, and he'll do it. And sometimes it'll be if he's in a bad mood, he'll do it very badly. If he's in a good mood, then it'll be slightly better. But I don't think he's really. I just don't think he cares too much about the press or or the media mm. or how he's perceived by the by journalists. He's just his sole focus is on the team, and I think that's what's so. Um so impressive about him and really in terms of the way in terms of how he operates he just outside noises he just doesn't care about all his all his focus is on the team what he does every week at the training ground improving players and getting results and you know we've reaped the benefit of that over the last couple of years as a football club yeah and obviously from a fan perspective because going 
and and covering the Arteta's tenure as as journalist, but also then you know reacting to it as a fan, it, it has felt like he's breathed life back into the club during that period. I think we've used that that term a few times already on this show. But what do you feel if you could pinpoint one kind of key thing he changed? Was it something to do with recruitment? Was it his philosophy that I think established and became more apparent over time? It wasn't immediately apparent the style that he wanted to to bring in, from my perspective at least. What would you pinpoint as that key turning point from him as a manager in, in turning Arsenal into what it is now? I think he's just restored belief mm. in the club. I think no one really believed. You know, you start every th- season thinking, oh, you know, maybe top four. Uh, and stuff and it was just that that whole feeling around the club wasn't it it was just there was no real belief that they could ever do anything they but now fans believe again they believe in, in that they've got a chance of competing for the very top for, for competing for the Premier League title even this season for potentially having to go for the Champions League and you know just wind the clock back a couple of years there was no belief you know wind the clock back to when Emery was in charge or the end of Wenger there was no real belief that the club was going anywhere you know it, it, he arrived at the perfect time and I don't want to criticize Unai because you know, I was a really nice guy and I thought, you know, anyone would have struggled coming in, replacing Arson. But where Arsenal were when Unai left, they needed someone just to come in, scoop the whole club up, have a really firm direction about how, where he wanted to take it and how he was going to do it. And in Arteta, they just got the perfect person to do that. Someone who believed in themselves, who would never move away from his, the sort of targets that he set and how he wanted to do it. Even in the dark times, and there were dark times, there were really difficult times when, our, when when he first started in those first couple of years where the club could have easily booted him out and he wouldn't have had any complaints because the results weren't great. <laughs> well, they weren't great. They were awful uh, at times, especially in that build-up to Christmas in his first full season. Was it? Yeah, the first full season. Um, and he wouldn't have been able to have any complaints, but he still believed in himself and believed in what he was trying to do. And even though it was difficult and there was tough times, he, you know, he never wavered from the belief that he was going to get there in the end. And so, yeah, I think if you was, I was thinking of one word in, or one way of what he's changed massively and brought to the club, it is just that feeling of belief now that they are that capable of doing what this club should be capable of doing. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Do you ever have a wobble in your view of him as as, as what he might be going forwards? I I know I did. Mine was yeah. after Villarreal was getting in that Europa League semi final. I was like, I don't know how forward from here. Another eighth place finish out of Europe to a team managed by our former coach. You know, I really yeah. struggled at that. I was more early on in that season. The build up to Christmas, I was more 
I was wobbling more when, you know, the, I think they were 15th when, when they, I, I always remember the Everton game and I talk about this in the book as well, but they went at Goodison Park and they lost 2-1 and William, for the first time, it was one of the most embarrassing performances I've ever seen from a professional footballer in the first half. And, and I just thought, where, where are they going from here? And I remember I asked Arteta in the I say press conference, it was via Zoom then because we were in closed stadiums. And I remember asking Arteta in the presser afterwards on on Zoom, you know, you you wouldn't, you know, you can't, you wouldn't be able to complain really, could you? If you get if you get sacked about this, are you worried about it? And he, you know, he said no and and all that. But I remember driving home from Everton that night, miserable as possible, <laughs> coming back on a late. It was the day I think that London got plunged into a new sort of Category Four zone for COVID as well. It was just a horrible time. And I just remember thinking, you know, where are they going to go from here? But then that next game, it was Chelsea on Boxing Day and Smith Rowe came in and Saka came in and Martinelli started. It was the first time Arsenal started with four teenagers or something like that in in years. And and suddenly Arsenal beat Chelsea and you saw this new look team suddenly emerging out of it. And from then on, even, the, you know, Villarreal was massively disappointed at the end of that season. But you could see that things were beginning to change. The youngsters were coming in and and I just felt a lot more belief, even though they finished eighth in that season. And I think they finished with, did they win five games in a row in the Premier League as well uh, that year, despite the Villarreal exit? And so, yeah, yeah my wobble was more... We pushed for the Champions League, didn't it? That run in the second half of the season, that, that I think the one was, was, I mean, compared to the first half of the season was just light years in comparison. Mm. Yeah, and it was brilliant. It was, you know, Smith Rowe at the heart of it. I remember just after the Chelsea game, Arsenal went to West Brom and it was snowing and the first half was just so good. There was so many, you know, Smith Rowe and Saka were linking up, scoring brilliant goals. And and you could you could just see that what he was trying to do and, and the vision. And whereas in that lead up to Christmas when the results weren't coming and you, he was scrambling around trying to find something that worked, he th- I, I just remember thinking, you know, this, he, he might go here. And But I one thing I didn't ever wobble on was I knew that I never thought the club would do it myself because I knew that the club really believed in him still and the players really believed in him still. I never got that impression as when we were around the squad in the changing room when Emery was there at the end you knew that he was a dead man walking you knew he'd lost the changing room you could see it you know I was at the open training the two days before he got sacked and it was it was real I felt really sorry for him he just looked like really lonely the players weren't talking to him it was you know that relationship had broken completely but you never got that impression with Mikel even when the results were bad you still felt the players believed in him and, and what he was trying to do just quickly is my mic sounding okay I can see the chat box is telling me something went wrong is it, it went a bit wrong but it sounds all right now <laughs> I can never tell you're one of my you're you falling now into the category of guests that don't tell me like because I I find that I have two types of guests one type of guest is immediately will stop and will be like you sound odd and the other one is a saboteur and you fall into that list of bits no we can let him sound like Optimus Prime now forever but uh no, that's, that's brilliant we sorted it out the chat box are there um I was going to ask as well, because obviously I talked about the wobble there and I think you you summed it out well where, where yours was. How much does kind of the fan online, in particular the fan view of him feature in the book? Do you tackle kind of that, you know, the dichotomy of, of what was so in some ways supportive to a, a fault and in other ways, you know, really wanting him gone to an Arsene Wenger yeah. outstage level at one point? Yeah, I talk about it a bit about... Um the sort of online reaction to him and and the fact that he was I sort of wind that into the fact that he was quite fortunate in that run that it was behind closed doors football you know I think 
there would have been a lot more pressure on the club to act had he been, you know, had 60,000 people at the Emirates every every game, seeing Arsenal lose and fail to score and lose at home to Burnley and things like that. You know, that ultimately is what cost Emery his job was that they could just see the fans had, had lost patience. They weren't turning up for games. There were empty seats everywhere. And had that happened to Arteta as well, then, you know, they might well have been, you know, more inclined to pull the trigger and get rid of him. So I think he was quite unfortunate in that regard, the sort of timing wise. Um, and yeah, I do sort of mention that how, how, how the online reaction was very, very strong at that point. But then I also think you, you always have to just take a little bit of step back. Don't you, when you're gauging online views, because the people who shout the loudest online, you obviously hear that view the most, but the people who, who don't, the sort of silent voices, are still the majority of it, but they're just not saying anything. And it's just the ones you hear, the few who are just really loud and vociferous in their complaints. And, you know, you've got to take their views into account. It's a football, it's opinion. But you also have to remember, I think, that the silent majority, the ones who aren't really saying anything, are, you know, uh, they, they are the majority. Yeah, I, I noticed this with, with Kai Havertz recently as well, because the, the live show we did a couple of weeks ago, we did like a whole audience check on whether they thought he had a good game against Nottingham Forest. And we said, cheer if you think that he did and cheer if you think that he didn't. And no one made a peep when we said about if you didn't think he had a good game. And I think that maybe that, you know, there is something to be said about the the silent majority um, and, and perhaps the Emirates crowd perspective of it as well. Because, and I think that that crowd perspective is something that Arteta has certainly changed. You talked about belief a lot. I think the connection between Arsenal and its fans, both and online, and we talked there about kind of division. But I, I do think there is, a, you know, wholly a support of Arteta yeah. now, even online. I mean, it's a very small minority that that aren't still on board with him. Uh, but in the stadium and uh, games, I went to America early this year. It's amazing seeing kind of you know the the connection between supporters and this club now. And, and I, along, it's not just Arteta, but he is without a doubt the biggest force behind that change. And do you feel as though, or did you foresee him being kind of this lightning rod, if you like, of change uh, for the fan side of things in particular? No, not really. I mean, I hoped he would be. And he talked the good mm. game when he first arrived. But obviously, I think the main thing is you've got to get results. If you you know, if you don't get results, then you're not going to be able to create this new atmosphere and and, and be the kind of lightning rod for this, uh, for what we've seen so far. But um, I mean, the, the change in atmosphere has been incredible. Last season was the best season I've ever sat through at the Emirates but by a mile atmosphere wise it's a completely different talk scene that I think post COVID we've got there's a younger crowd I think there's definitely been a change in this sort of demographic at the Emirates post COVID but you know on top of that Arteta has, has worked so hard you know you just think of like North London forever he was so you know he played such a huge part in that he'd been wanting a song he'd been pushing for a song and then sort of everything combined perfectly for this song to suddenly arrive and suddenly become a bit of a social media phenomenon and then Arteta, Arteta was just on it you know pushing the club we've got to do this we saw it you could see it in the All or Nothing documentary couldn't you when he, he talks about it and all of that stuff even the Ashburton army you know he, he really wanted that sort of thing in the stadium and um, whereas other managers sometimes might, might not have really been bothered about that he knew how important that was and again, you go back to that first press conference when he spoke about the crowd and the fans and how it, and how that was so essential, getting them back on board so any success Arsenal was going to have. And, um, so that that plays a big part in the book as well. Like I speak to 
Raymond over at Red Action, you know, uh, on, a, on various things throughout the book about how things have changed in the atmosphere and Arteta and and just everything on that. And um, I think it's such an important story, the fans over this last four years, obviously the team, the players, the youngsters who have come through, the results, Arteta. But I think the fans as well, everyone has played a part in getting Arsenal to where they are now and changing the outlook of the club from what it was just a short time ago. I'm going to open the floor up in a second to some of the listeners. Um, not too many questions, though, because if you would like to ask Charles a question, what you need to do is attend the live event um, that Charles will be doing uh, on the 31st uh, of this month uh, at the Tollington, uh, if you would like to and are available and are in the area. Uh, Charles, why don't you tell the people all the details? Yep, as you can see on the screen there, if you're watching, um, Thursday 31st, which is launch day, of course, we're putting on a big launch night stroke party at the Tolly. Um, it's going to be, I think it's Stoke Newington Bookshop are coming down, so the books are going to be on sale. You can buy the books. I'll be there signing them for a couple of hours from 5.15 kind of onwards. And then we're going to have a little break to do a Q&A type in conversation part of the night where there's going to be myself, there's going to be Gunner Blog, James McNicholas, and Sam Dean from The Telegraph, who are all going to be as part of the panel, talking about Arsenal, talking about Arteta, giving insight into you know what it's been like during Arteta's time and and answering questions from all the audience there. Hopefully, if there is any audience there, which I really hope there is, so please do come down and join in that. It should be a really fun night of, uh, of Arsenal chat. So yeah, please do, if you are in and around the North London area or the London area and you want to come down and talk all things Arsenal, then come down and join in with me, Sam, and, and James on hopefully what should be a great night. Yeah, um, I'm really hoping to get there. I'm down to work that day, um, but uh, I'm hoping to be able to get down uh, at some point. So fingers crossed, uh, listeners, make sure that you're getting down. I know that feeling of you know, hoping people go, you know, when we did our live show a, a couple of weeks ago, that fear when you're waiting around for, for the room to kind of fill up and it does gradually and it does, you're always in your head thinking, no one's going to be there when I walk out. <laughs> no one's going to be that, there. I've got that fear. I've said this before. I've got that fear. You know, those sort of sad stories you see on social media, that like the, the son or the male pick up on it will go viral of some six-year-old <laughs> kid who's invited 30 of his classmates to a birthday party and none of them turn up and his mum takes a picture of his kid sitting on his own <laughs> at a table with a party hat on looking glum and then uh, then celebrities get involved on twitter posting pictures to him saying oh you know stay strong dave will uh you know and offering their support <laughs> i've just got visions of me sitting there at a desk with about 20 books piled up high and then like my dad <laughs> next to me <laughs> <laughs> and that's well it. i mean as you say it doesn't say there's going to be too much too many books how many books do you think you allow because people are going to have to get down there quick to get hold of one. Oh well yeah i don't know that's not uh i don't know how many is going to be available but i think yeah. there should be plenty like, first said, earth, people. like i get said Stoke, Stoke newington are going to bookshop a kindly part of the night and they're going to be down there with plenty to sell so uh yeah hopefully there'll be plenty on offer and if you've got one already you know you've pre-ordered one and it arrives before you leave for the event then bring that as well and i can you know I'll quite happily sign that sign that as well i've got these videos i don't know if you've seen the film national treasure um the, the second one where riley paul is sitting in the, the bookstore uh, he's doing another whole other book about uh the templar treasure and uh <laughs> this very attractive woman comes up and is like oh are you the guy that found the treasure and i'm like well i'm the guy that was with the guy that found the treasure <laughs> it's, it's very amusing but uh no i'm sure it's not going to be uh like that in any way shape or form but uh, yeah honestly, make sure i'm you dreading i'm dreading signing the things my handwriting is so terrible like terrible <laughs> from 20 years of writing shorthand i can't write anymore genuinely i can't write it just yeah. is this weird sort of squiggle type stuff and 
the thought of having to sign things and write messages, I'm like, oh my God, that's terrifying me to my very soul. I'm so bad. You're going to have to do a, a Bart Simpson at the start, you know, practice your lines on the chalkboard, your, your signature. You know, it's going to have to be. My, my seven year old son writes better than I do. And uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be a struggle. <laughs> Maybe you can bring him along and he do the signing instead. That that might be a strategy. That worth could doing. well be the, the way to go. Uh, let's jump into the chat box then. Um, Rand says, can you buy the book outside of the UK? Uh, you Well, it depends where outside the UK. Um, it is going to be on sale. It's going, out, it's going on sale in the US, I think, in November. So slightly late. You can certainly sign, buy it in Ireland. And I think they're still in discussions with the sort of foreign retailers about how it's going to be going sort of sent out to to europe so yes you can in certain areas and hopefully in more areas but uh, it's kind of in the process of being sorted out at the moment good stuff uh matt robinson says is it going to be available as an audio book it is yep it's already there you can already pre-order that um not with me talking i decided it would i would ruin it, <laughs> it would be, <laughs> I would basically i would ruin it i'm rubbish i you know i'd be reading it i'd it'd, it'd take me about a year to record it so i thought now let's get a professional to do it and rather than me but you can yes it is out on, it is coming out on audiobook yes on the 31st fair, fair if you could have had you know i don't mean this to, to be disparaging the person that's, that's reading it but i'm sure they do a brilliant job if you could have any one dream person that could have read it like who would you have come for <laughs> i know awesome wenger read his own book so awesome yeah that would be good awesome wenger that would be nice uh god are you talking about arsenal here anyone you like anyone. it could be like an actor that you like as well anyone. denzel washington denzel yeah maybe maybe denzel yeah or morgan freeman morgan freeman there you go how dramatic would that be morgan freeman talking about imagine that on the cover voiced <laughs> by morgan freeman <laughs> Rise of brilliant. just imagine morgan That'd freeman talk, talking about arsenal losing 2-1 at everton in december in the dark depths of covid times <laughs> that would be brilliant um paul says uh was there one game where it suddenly all clicked for arteta and he knew he'd cracked the arsenal puzzle or is it still an ongoing process um it, it, well, in terms of if, if he feels there was an if there was one game i, I don't know you know that would be one for him but i look at it and i, I always i kind of go back to the tottenham game at the start of 20 23 no 21 22 wasn't it when you know we'd lost the first three games of the season been bottom of the league and then the new the new players came in that edged that game against Norwich 1-0 that they had to win then they went to Burnley and 1-1-0 and then it was Tottenham and Tottenham had won the first three games of the season Arsenal had lost them they were top of the league Arsenal were bottom and then we went into that North London derby two games later they'd lost two we'd won two and then and that first half that first 45 minutes Arsenal absolutely blew them away you know Saka Smith Rowe scored i think by the end of full time all six summer signings arteta's signings were on the pitch at full time and it ramsdale was in goal and it was just it felt like this is it this is a new team this isn't emery's team really this isn't wenger's team this is the birth of a new Mikel arteta team and i always look back at that that match as the one where it all sort of clicked and from then on you know there's been little downs obviously but from then on really it's just been sort of up up the whole way so yeah i look at that game uh, it's a really key one. Uh, Daniel says, how much would we struggle, do you think, if Arteta was to leave for another team? A lot, but I do think that the foundations have been put in place for Arsenal to be very, very strong. You know, obviously Arteta is the is the manager, but, you know, Arsenal put together a really good team behind the scenes that is plays a huge role in this success that Arsenal have enjoyed. It's not just about Arteta, far from it. And, 
you know, Arsenal were a bit of a mess behind the scenes for a long time. And now I have a lot more confidence that that team with Edu, Richard Garlick, Vinay, you know, all that lot, you know, I have a lot more confidence that should Arteta go, which I hope he doesn't, but should something happen and he ends up going that, you know, the club would be in a good position to attract another excellent manager to continue on the really good work that Mikel's done. But it would be a struggle, no doubt about it. If you lose someone like Mikel Arteta, you're going to struggle, no doubt about it. It'd be a major, major blow. Yeah, I, I really struggled to think who on earth, you know, you bring in um, to, to kind of replace him. I suppose what a, a manager or a coach like De Zerbi has done is show people that, you know, you can find gems of coaches, you know, from outside of uh, of the major leagues to come in mm. and do a really good job in the Premier League. Uh, I'm interested to see how Arola goes on at, at Bournemouth this season as well after coming in from Spain. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens because one day he will move on. It's inevitable that one day it will happen. Um, it's not Wenger joining us, you know, for the, the last, didn't interview I say last in it was 22 odd years but you know it's it's Arteta the beginning of his career and I think he did an interview with Marco recently where he talked about the fact that you know he'd have an interest in managing in Spain maybe one day and doing things like that so yeah it will come to an end at one point uh, we've had some suggestions for, for potential readers Unai Emery's a, a favourite of Patrick's to read the book uh, Holdini says Unai Emery as well and Daniel Roberts says Peter Drury would have been great to uh to read the book also um we got a question from uh forever gunner who says what is your expectation for the season and arteta and i'd also ask you to kind of define what that word expectation kind of means because uh, it's something that i toil with with the listeners quite a lot yeah it's hard isn't it i mean what is the expectation obviously you want arsenal to win the title this season but if mm. arsenal finished second to manchester city this season it's certainly not been a failure you're finishing second to the best team in the world and yeah. against the best manager in the world. So, you know, the expectation is just to build on the success that Arsenal enjoyed last season and continue to build on that. And if that means the title, fantastic. I just, you know, I'd absolutely want to see them again push City all the way. And I would really like to see, most, well, not most importantly, but I would love to see him go deep into the Champions League. Yes, it's the first season back for a long time, but I still look at that Champions League and think Arsenal got a really good chance of having a good crack at it should the draw be nice um, but even if the draw isn't nice there's no one I don't really fear at, you know in terms of who they might play I think the one big question mark still hanging over Mikel is his ability in Europe because let's face it it's been pretty poor so far his record in Europe in knockout games especially is not great it's pretty rubbish and so he needs to be able to prove that he can do it in the Premier League and in the sorry Champions League and he can balance the two together in terms of domestic and and European football so yeah I'd say expectation wise certainly to push City all again hopefully go one better and actually get get past them this time but also to have a good go in the Champions League yeah I agree it's a real something about the opportunity that the Champions League brings it's such a such a massive opportunity, I think, for Arsenal because teams can get knocked out, you know, randomly. Man City, you know, Inter Milan in the final this season. You know, if Inter Milan are getting to the final, you'd have to think that Arsenal are certainly capable of getting there, you know, as well, depending on the draw that they get. And we hope that it is, it is kind to us and we're not getting Man City in the quarterfinals. That would be, you know, ideal. But uh, yeah, let's see what Arsenal are really capable of in that in that competition this season. Um, we're going to bring yeah, it to but, a. By a the way, we're, we're, defi- we're definitely getting Bayern Munich in the Champions League. This season, they're Harry Kane. Uh, yeah, but I feel like that was, it's different now, isn't it? Like it's not going to be in a ten-two. No, the well, last, it, could, the last it, it better not be. It better not be, yeah. or I'll be there with an Arteta outside. If that, if that's the case. <laughs> uh, and imagine yeah, that placards. No, I can just imagine. I just, I just know it's going to be Bayern Munich again this season. It's just, it's just written in the stars, especially with Kane going there. The last game was against mm. Bayern, and 
I'm utterly convinced we're going to get them again and come up against that. You think in the group stage? Because obviously they're pot one, so we'll be pot two. Yeah, I just yeah. think it's written in the stars. We'll find out next Thursday. And that's actually for, for the book launch night. I think the draws in the evening. So we're also oh, really? they're going to have that on the screens in the Tollington as well. So come down and watch that just to add Ooh, even more drama to the night. Lovely stuff. Uh, Charles, we are going to round things off there. Again, I do want to plug uh, everything in, in its pure form. Uh, as Charles mentioned there, Thursday, the 31st of August from 4pm at the Tollington. Um, if you need directions, Google it. You know, it's really easy to find if you've never been there before. It's it's literally the, the, the pub by the stadium uh, is what it is. So, but uh, yeah, it's literally a stone story from the Emirates. If you're not aware of, of where it is, I'm sure that the 99% of you are. Uh, doors open at 4pm. Uh, Charles will be signing books from 5.15 and there'll be a QA and a with James McNicholas, aka Gunnerblog and Sam Dean of The Telegraph as well and plenty of cool fun chats, photos and all of that with drinks and refreshments of which have you in the time since recording with Chris worked out the difference between them two words yet? No, no? no it's forever going to be a mystery I think the difference between drinks and refreshments to me <laughs> what is Food be refreshing, what? I guess some can but uh, yeah, I yeah. don't know yeah. I don't know so, yeah. There's a brilliant, um, uh, some brilliant Thai food at the back of the Tollington um, as well. So I'm sure, I'm hoping at least that that would be still very much on sale. Even we have to wait and see. Um, but uh, yes, please, thank you to everyone joining us in the chat box. Charles, thank you to you uh, for coming on. Very much appreciate. Any final comments before we wrap up? Cheers, Cheers Tom. Though. Thanks for having me on. Just um, yeah, if you haven't pre-ordered yet and you want to pre-order, then go link to my down. socials. Oh, it's the links below. Obviously, Tom's saying there, but it's also all on my socials i'm unashamedly plugging it a lot at the moment so yeah the pre-order link is there you'll find it on my twitter or my x whatever you call it nowadays and um <laughs> and yeah pre-order from from harper collins direct or from everyone else amazon waterstones wh smith all that lot and i hope you enjoy it as well and if yeah if you don't yeah. be not if you don't be nice <laughs> <laughs> well a few times now you can say that my ex promotes my book you know because yeah, now that's yeah. where indeed you're posting your things but uh yeah there's a link down to harper and collins publishers um in the link down in the description you can order it from there but obviously it's also available at you know amazon blackwell's uh, bookshop all the places waterstones wh smiths uh, you can pre-order it and order it off the website through the link down in the description and uh, as i said before it's on the screen but if you want any extra details about the live event there is also a link to charles's tweet and uh well post and x accounts uh, which you can find down in the description as well uh as well as that make sure you subscribe to charles youtube channel charles tell people where they can find you on the old youtube yeah it's called inside arsenal it's a channel and uh yeah just search for me on there charles watts inside arsenal it will come up more than welcome your support mm, congratulations on the 90k brilliant achievement mate and uh keep it up and keep going it's fantastic thank you very much lovely stuff uh we will see you of course tomorrow morning very quickly before i wrap up i did see a quick super chat from craig craig i'll get in touch with you uh, but thank you for the kind words about me and charles it is very much appreciated thank you very much and thank you everyone else for all the kind comments that you've left as well as i said we'll see you tomorrow morning live bright and early at 8 a.m i hope you have a fantastic evening and uh, we will see you again very soon and as always up the arsenal It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. 
Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.